loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the artist and the potter. We thank you that you are doing a mighty thing. You're doing a new thing. You're doing a good thing because you are good. And Lord, as we come before your word right now, we pray that you would speak. God, I want to get right out of the road and we pray that you would speak, that you would stretch out your hand, that you would uh, minister to our hearts, that you'd minister to our lives. Wherever we are right now, whether we are uh, in our bedroom, in our pyjamas, whether we're with, uh, with family watching this on a, on a larger screen, whether we're walking and watching this on our phone, wherever we are, God, we know that your spirit is with us. Where two or more are gathered, you are in our midst. Lord, come and speak come and change lives come and touch lives we love you heavenly father and we thank you for what you are about to do what you uh, have done and what you're going to continue to do we love you lord in jesus name amen amen well welcome welcome along to ignite my name's dave it is such an honor to have you here with us it looks different to what we thought it was going to look we're not at norwood town hall with thousands of people but we are in your living room and we know that it might not look how we wanted it to look but it looks exactly how god wanted it to look and so we give him praise and we're so glad you could be with us here tonight to worship our great god uh, he is good amen uh, Tonight we're just going to take a moment to, to look at the life of this guy called Elijah. Uh, God's been pressing on my heart recently from 1 Kings 17 and 18 because we're in this interesting season right now. We're in this season of isolation. We're in this season where we can't connect. We're in a season of stretching, a season of change. And uh, as I've been studying the life of Elijah, I've realized that Elijah was in this place too. And I want to read to you from... 1 Kings chapter 17, just, just a few verses to set the scene for what God wants to say to us tonight. But it says this, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, who was the king of Israel, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. What an amazing passage of scripture. Do you know, Elijah is a prophet who appears in the Old Testament almost out of nowhere at the beginning of 1 Kings 17. This is the first time we read of Elijah, the great prophet that if you've been around church circles for a while, you have heard of this guy. This guy does incredible things. And here we find Elijah. He appears in Israel at a time when Israel has forsaken the Lord their God. This guy Ahab has become king. And what Ahab has done is he's led Israel into the worship of false gods, into the worship of idols. This, this God called Baal, the God of fertility, and this goddess called Asherah, who is the goddess of fertility. And Israel has forsaken Yahweh, they've forsaken God and they've chased after these fertility gods and Ahab has been the leader of that movement and Elijah appears on the scene in the nation of Israel's uh, timeline and he comes to Ahab and he declares this powerful prophetic word that there will be no rain except by his word 
for as long as that takes, for years on end if that is the case. And it's an incredible scene because Elijah appears and he, he has the audience of the king, he has the audience of the king's court and he declares this word. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, how awesome is this? Here's Elijah, all of a sudden, with the ear of a king. He's, it's a season of significance for Elijah. It's as if this is his moment. God had been preparing him for such a time as this to declare this mighty word, to speak this prophetic word, to see the rain stopped as these uh, fertility gods that Israel was trusting in, that, that God would use this word to show Israel that he is divine, that these idols are just deceivers, that he is sovereign and they are not. And you think this is the moment for Elijah, but then something crazy happens. The Bible says that God immediately after this sends Elijah to the Kerith Ravine. What is the Kerith Ravine? The Kerith Ravine is a place and the word in Hebrew actually means to be cut off. It's a place of isolation. God says, Elijah, after this word, what I want you to do is I don't want you to stay in Israel declaring the greatness and the glory of God in king's palaces. No, where I want you to go is a place of isolation, a place of being cut off. And as I was thinking about it, so I'm like, why does God do this? Why does God take this man in this moment and send him there? Because after he said this prophetic word, it's not like the king of uh, of Israel. It's not like Ahab and the people uh, are going to be immediately chasing him down. When he speaks, they could care less in this moment. This is the dry season. This is a time where it's not raining anyway. Like Elijah could stay in Israel. He could stay preaching the word. He could stay building his audience. He could stay in this, this place, but he doesn't. God sends him away. God sends him to a place of isolation. Why? Because it's the place of preparation for purpose. And I feel as I've been reading this that we are in a season of isolation. We are in a season that we have not been in in the West for close to a hundred years. And here we are, the church in isolation. And the question is, what is God doing? What is God doing in your life? What is God doing in my life? What is God doing in his church? What will we do with the Kerith season? What will we do in the Kerith ravine? When we are in isolation, I want to show you something in the life of Elijah. You see, Elijah goes to this place and God uses this place to stretch him. And there's something powerful about a season of stretching because nobody likes being stretched. Nobody likes uh, being stretched beyond our comfort zone. We, we are living in the West, man. We love being comfortable. And I started thinking about the guitar and I started thinking about guitar strings and I started thinking about the fact that when the guitar strings, picture them for a moment, the guitar strings are sitting in the, in the music shop in their lovely little box and they're all wrapped up and they're in community. There's six of them living together. Life is good. They're happy. They're comfortable. All is well. And then one day, someone comes along, the master musician. He comes along and he, he grabs these guitar strings and he takes them off the shelf and he buys them at a price. Come on somebody. And he takes them to his, his home and he starts to unwrap the guitar strings from, from their comfort, from their box and he starts to lay them out on the neck of the guitar. And I wonder what the guitar strings are thinking in this moment. 
Because there's a part of him that's going, yes, this is what I was created for. I love the master musician. I'm so thankful that he's bought me and that he's taken me into his own place and he's going to use me to do something beautiful. But then as the, the master musician starts to stretch those strings across the neck of the guitar and slowly starts to wind them, I wonder if in that moment a guitar string, if it had a voice, if it had a mind, would start to think, what are you doing? I do not like this. I'm being stretched. This hurts. This is uncomfortable. What are you doing? But I want you to picture for a moment that master musician as he carefully stretches those strings on the guitar neck. To start with, when he starts to stretch and he starts to play, that sound is pretty ugly. It's out of tune, it's not nice, and it feels like that sometimes in the season of stretching. Life is difficult, life can be hard, it can be uncomfortable, we can be wondering where God is and what God is doing. But sure enough, if we trust ourselves to the Master, when we lay our lives and say, I am yours, do what you will, have your way in me, the master musician will begin to stretch and stretch and stretch and bring us into a position of purpose where we can play the sound that we were created to play from the beginning of time. And he starts to use us for his glory, all because we gave ourselves to the master and the process and the season of stretching. And I want to suggest to us today that we are in that Kereth ravine. We are in that season of stretching. And as we see in the life of Elijah, where Elijah is in the Kereth ravine and he is being stretched, he is being forced to trust in God for his Every day he's being forced to trust in God for his daily provision of water and of food. But God is doing a mighty work in him, preparing him for purpose. Because as you carry on in the life of Elijah and you keep reading 1 Kings 17, you see that Elijah has some incredible encounters where he has oil and uh, and. And bread, which never runs out. And he, he sees a, a young boy raised from the dead. And these incredible things start to happen in and through the life of Elijah because he'd given himself over to the master. Because he'd given himself over to God and he trusted God in the season of Kareth where God had stretched him and caused him to rely on himself. And you see, when we begin to rely on God, when we don't have the comforts at hand that we have learnt to rely on, when we don't have all the things that we have begun to trust in, all a job, finance, um, all of our security and just even health care and all these things where we've just taken them for granted, they get stripped away and who do we have left? What do we have left? We have nothing but God. And as we learn to lay our feet on the foundation of God himself and we begin to trust in him, then all of a sudden we are like a guitar string lying on the neck and saying, God, use me and do what you will in my life. And we find through all of this preparation, soon enough, Elijah finds himself on a mountain called Carmel. And Israel has had no rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years of no rain. Now let me tell you something. In an agricultural time where they rely on the rain for everything, they might not have been bothered by him initially, but three and a half years later, they're searching for Elijah. They are wondering where this man is. They are wondering what is going on. 
And so Elijah appears before King Ahab and he does something fascinating because Ahab wants rain and Elijah says, all right, meet me on Mount Carmel and bring your prophets, bring the prophets of Baal, bring the the prophetesses and uh, the prophets of Asherah, bring them all, bring them to Carmel and we're going to do something. And you would think that Elijah's going to bring the rain because what's Israel looking for? They're looking for rain. That's what they need. They need rain. And the promise of God, if you read through these chapters, is that he will send the rain. And so Elijah meets Ahab and he meets the 850 prophets on a mountain and all the people of Israel are assembled there as well. But he does something fascinating. I want to read it to you. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah said to them, this is from verse 22. I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two balls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other ball and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the balls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the ball, given them and prepared it. And it goes on and on. And the prophets of Baal start to sing and dance and go through their religious rituals. And nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then as you... Carry on, Elijah says in verse 30, Come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar around uh, around it, large enough to hold two sears of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood, then he said to them, fill four large jars of water and pour it, on the, pour it on the offering and on the wood. Now, friends, where did they get the water from? It hasn't rained for three and a half years. There's another sermon. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar, even filled the trench. And at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God. That they would know that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And friends, guess what happened? Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, licked up the water in the trench. And when the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. I want to tell you something today. 
There's something so incredible about what Elijah has done. This season of isolation, this Kerith season where God has taught him to trust in God. But God has taken Elijah and said, I am the one that you need. I am the one you need to depend on. I'm going to strip you of your comforts. I'm going to strip you of everything else that you rely on. Strip you of all your little idols that you don't even know are idols. And as I strip you of those and I cause you to rely on me, you don't even know it's coming. But three and a half years later, you're going to be standing on a mountain surrounded by people who hate you and want you dead with the whole of the nation of Israel which has turned away from me which needs to know that I am God and I love them and I've called them and I've chosen them as my own and you're going to stand there and by faith you're going to call down fire and what does Elijah do? By faith he calls down fire and the fire of the Lord comes and here's what I want you to understand why fire? Why not rain? Because God promised rain. Elijah wanted rain. Israel needed rain. And yet there is no rain. What is God doing? What is the word to the church? The word is this. At the very beginning of the book of Genesis, how did God appear to Abraham? Fire. How did God appear to Moses? Fire. How did God protect and lead Israel through the wilderness? Fire. How did God appear to Israel on the mountain when they first left Egypt? Fire. All throughout Israel's history, God has presented himself to his people as fire. Israel had forgotten the Lord, their God. They did not need rain. They thought they needed rain. What they needed was fire. What they needed was a revelation of God. And so Elijah knows this. He calls out a sacrifice. He calls the people to repent. And he says, let me show you who the Lord God is. You've been trusting in Baal. If the rain just came, the people could have said, oh, look, there's Baal. He's the God of the fertility. He's the one we've trusted in. No, no, no. Fire is unmistakably Yahweh. And so Elijah stands, God comes in fire and the people's reaction is, oh my gosh, it's Yahweh. That's what the, that's what the word literally is. It's Yahweh. He is God. It's Yahweh. They have a revelation of who God is because fire comes. And I feel this is a word to the church right now that we have been trusting in everything but Yahweh. We've been trusting in the work of our own hands. We've been making idols of everything. We've even made idols of ministry, friends. And it is time for the church. It is time for the West. It is time for all of us to get on our knees, to repent, to have a sacrifice where we say, God, refine me. Refine me. Use this carrot season to refine me. Do a work in me. Strip me of the stuff that I'm trusting on that is not of you. Cause me to fall on my knees and be just devoted wholly and humbly to you. And I want to tell you that when that fire comes, when we repent, when we allow God to refine us and the church stands separate from the world, in the world, but not of the world, completely renewed and redeemed. And there's a revelation of God in the church. Then guess what happens? Then guess what happens if you keep reading? If you keep reading, Elijah goes to the top of the mountain and he starts to pray because there's still no rain. There's still no rain. And so he goes to the top and he says to his servant, go and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked, there's nothing there. He said, seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, 
hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, he tucked his cloak and his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab. Friends, after the sacrifice comes the rain. After refining comes the rain. After the fire comes the rain. And I want to tell you today that if we as a church humble ourselves and pray, if we call down the idols that the church, that Christianity, that Western society has been trusting in and relying on, if we smash them to the ground and we call upon the fire of God to fall and refine us as a church and get back to what we're supposed to be doing, get back to trusting in Him and Him alone, the rain that we have been seeking, the spiritual rain, the latter rain, the rain that our nation so badly needs spiritually to renew and redeem and bring revival to our land, it is coming friends it is on the way but God is saying church use this Kerith season use this season of isolation get in the Kerith ravine humble yourselves trust me and as you do learn to repent and call upon the refining fire of God that we might see the mighty outpouring of God's favor in our nation and so friends I'm so glad you joined us tonight because as we worship in isolation, as we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and as, as a church we come before a holy God and we say, here I am, this is all I have. God will bring revival to our land. God is bringing revival to our land. So I'm here today to call us to our knees. If you're a church leader and you're watching this, I want to invite you to join with me as we sing these next songs. And I want you to get on your knees wherever you are. I want you to humble yourself before a holy God and I'm here with you. And let's repent of the idol of ministry. Let's repent of the idol of notoriety and wanting people to know our names. Let's throw it all down. Let's throw it all down. And let's lift up the name of Jesus, the only name, the name that is above every name. Let's give him the glory that's due his name. And let's begin to work together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you're someone watching this, maybe you're not in church leadership, but you love the Lord. Friends, it's time to get on our knees before a holy God. Use this season, this careth season, to lay it down and to trust in him. To give him everything. And if you're here today, you're watching this, you've stumbled across this and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Saviour, can I tell you, there is a God who loves you. There is a God who chose you. He died on a cross. We just celebrated at Easter. He died on a cross that you might have life, that you might know purpose, that you might know the reason for existence. And there's a lot of people asking right now these questions around meaning. Friends, don't forsake the careth season. Don't allow this season to pass you by and go back to what you were doing before. No, ask, seek and knock. Dive in, seek the truth and the truth will be found by you. And I'm promising you right now when all these other things are stripped away, there is one thing that remains and that is the rock of Jesus Christ. You can trust Him. You can bank your life on Him. He is faithful. He is true. He is good. He is righteous. He is just. He is kind. He is faithful. So I want to invite you, if that's you, 
and you are struggling, you don't know hope, you don't have a security in this season, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Give your life to Him. Allow Him to come and comfort you. Allow Him to be the one who sustains you in your season of isolation, who gives you all that you need. And we'd love to pray with you. So if that's you right now, and church, join with me. We're going to pray. And I want you to pray after me. Thank you, loving Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you died on a cross for my sins. I give you my life. I surrender my everything to you. I trust you with my eternity. Take this life and use it for your glory. I love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, please let us know. Comment. We'd love to. We've got people who want to get in contact with you. We want to connect you with a local church. We love you. You've made the best decision you're ever going to make. So church, thank you so much for joining us. I'm praying God's favour upon you and His blessing upon you. But let's not lose this moment. I want to get everyone, encourage everyone to get on your knees before a holy God, before that refining God. Let's pray that He would refine us, renew us, purify us so that we are prepared for our purpose, which is to come. Let's not forsake this carrot season. Let's seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, knowing that all these things will be added unto us. But the only thing that matters is eternity. The only thing that matters is life in Christ Jesus. So would you join me? Would you get on our knees as we sing this beautiful song, Refiner, and ask a holy God to use this season to strip us bare, that we might together stand on whatever Mount Carmel looks like for us in the future, declaring the glory of God, that our world would know that He is Lord and that we might see the rain that our nation so desperately needs.